You're listening to When Christians Speak Online Talk Radio, broadcasting out of the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Today's voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. When Christians Speak is dedicated to lifting up the name of Christ Jesus and spreading the good news. Christian Speak Talk Radio is a non-profit ministry. We are dedicated to spreading the gospel of Jesus through our programs and special guests. We exist through the generous support of our listeners. If you are being blessed through this ministry and would like to give a love offering, go to our website and click on our donation page. Your donation will be processed through PayPal. Our prayer is that you may prosper, be in good health, even as your soul When Christians Speak Talk Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, so all of your gifts to this ministry are tax deductible. So go out to our website, www.whenchristianspeak.com, and click on our donation page. Adoration is defined as an intense admiration of the Lord Jesus Christ, culminating in our reverence and worship of Him. Our broadcast is dedicated to exploring the many ways we show our adoration in prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, worship, dance, song, missions, outreach, and Bible study. In adoration, we come before our Lord to have frank and compelling conversation with believers who embody the act of uncompromising appreciation for how the Lord provides for us and to reverence the very essence of who he is. We invite our listeners to sojourn with us to the throne of grace each month and continue to draw nigh to our Savior in love through our adoration.
a very special night because uh, whether you can tell or not, um, we had some technical difficulties because I am sitting here with my wife in the room in our home in Chiquimula, Guatemala, and we are in the midst of a storm that temporarily wiped out our power and definitely wiped out our Internet. But by the grace of God and by the uh, provision of my beloved wife, Myra, who just happened to have a phone that has minutes on it that I am using (laughs) to be able to uh, connect with you all, we are able to uh, come to you very much live. And let me not uh, leave this out as well. The faithfulness of our very own Pastor Pat Randall to come in, and she's quietly sitting in the cut, making sure that everything is um, moving along in decency and in order. So we thank her as well. So tonight, my beloved, we're not going to go into any kind of long-winded announcements or anything like that because I want to jump right back into a lesson that I started last month, which is uh, on Let's Talk About Love. If you heard part one of this lesson, which was really kind of just getting into the real nuts and bolts of the text, um, it's basically given an overview of love and what love is, what love isn't, and how we should operate in love. So we are using as our foundational scripture uh, is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we know those of us who are Bible scholars, we know that that was attributed to the Apostle Paul, and Last week, just to, excuse me, last month, just to give you a quick recap, we talked about the various uh, components of love just as a way of getting into what we're going to discuss tonight. So I just want to just go over the first three verses in 1 Corinthians 13 just to catch you up a little bit, and we're going to definitely complete this lesson tonight. So, in 1 Corinthians 13, right at verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, and let's understand that word charity is defined as love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, excuse me, guys, lost my my, uh, train of thought there. Sorry about that. Um, Let me repeat that. Moved a little fast for me. Okay. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have 
all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. And we talked about how the Apostle Paul took these first few verses, and in verses 1 through 3, the word I is used eight times. And again, I just want to pull those out just as a recap. The first time he says, I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Number two, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Number three, I have the gift of prophecy, understanding all mysteries, all knowledge. Number four, I have all faith. Number five, I could remove mountains. Number six, I am nothing. Number seven, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And number eight, I give my body to be burned. And so within these eight I statements, it's amazing how then the Apostle Paul moves into a new beginning, a new atmosphere for dialogue, which we're going to talk about tonight. So real quick, uh, again, just doing a quick recap, um, we talked about there are seven types of love that uh, we can define uh, in different ways, but the first one we talked about, which is called arrows, and that's uh, love that's sexual or passionate, the second one is philia or phileo, which is definitely one of brotherly, sisterly love. The third one is, uh, let's see, here we go, is storhe. And storhe is uh, 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 the love for family, love of a parent, love of uncles. To, to nieces and nephews, cousins to cousins, et cetera, et cetera. Then the next one is this one called Ludus, which we don't hear about as often, but this is kind of just a playful or uncommitted type of love. Then next we have pragma and kind of like the way it sounds, this is a practical kind of love. So it, it, it kind of makes sense to the natural mind and senses. Then the next one, and hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, but is philosia, and philosia is love of self. And this is the one we have to be very careful of because, yes, we do want to make sure that we love ourselves, but not to the point 
where we become selfish and self-centered. So that one we have to really be careful. And honestly, if we were doing the three uh, types of love as far as how we interact in this world, we know that the first love is uh, to our Father in heaven and through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, that that is the, 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 the top priority. Secondly, of course, is loving one another. So those are all the people around us. And I didn't just say loving believers. I'm talking about loving everyone in the same way that God so loved this world that he gave us Christ, his only begotten. Then comes the fact that then we can love ourselves, and there is a place for that. That should be the lowest part of our priority, but definitely still important. And I left out this last uh, love component, which is agape love. And agape is that love of unconditioned, that it's just an unconditional love that we love in spite of our emotions. We love in spite of our feelings. In fact, you know, as I shared last month, this whole lesson was based on a conversation that I had with a Christian in which that person shared with me that they found it hard to love someone, and, and that triggered something in me, and thus, I wanted to really examine love and talk about love. So with that said, let's move on into the characteristics of love. And those characteristics are actually also in 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to be reading verses 4 through 8. So here's what it says, and I'm reading everything tonight out of the King James Version. So it says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. Let me say that again. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And this, my beloved, is very important to understand. So let's 
talk about love through these four verses. So, first of all, starting with love is long-suffering and kind. You know, I think it's interesting that the first attribute describing love involves suffering and suffering through things. In other words, love is not convenient and prone to only being activated when we feel like it or when everything is going well. Love is demanding when it doesn't feel so good or is not so convenient and here is the amazing part. Love is always kind. And think about that in our own interactions. Are we kind? You know, are, are we thoughtful? Are we considerate of others? Let's continue on. Love never envies. This meaning we should not be prone to being envious of anyone or anything. I tell you this, find a person who is jealous and you'll find a person who does not understand the real meaning of love. Love is not proud or self-centered. Love never has to bring attention to itself. Listen to what I'm saying. Love never has to bring attention to itself. We should be like that. Love never has to put out a marketing campaign on how good it is. Love is not vain or flashy. Love is a Honestly, love is like uh, a foundational stone, unmovable, always abounding. Uh, You know, love is just there, consistent, and available. Now, love has proper conduct and is always obedient. I don't know how many times we actually think about obedience when we're talking about love, but God instructs us to love one another, and that would be an act of obedience. He never puts out there, oh, just love those that agree with you or love those who look right, smell right, act right. He never says that. He just says to love your neighbor as thyself. Wow. So there's an obedience factor in love. Now listen to this. Love does not need to seek out itself for approval or need anything to justify what it is. Can I say that again? Love does not need to seek out itself for approval or need anything to justify what it is. Love is not easily provoked or prone to anger. So, again, 
you know, Jesus gives us this, you know, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, we, we, we've heard these things in Scripture, and they all fall under the umbrella of love, that love is not easily stirred up where it's going to uh, uh, present itself in anger. It just is not consistent. Anger is not consistent with love. And I can tell you as a self-professed person who has struggled in his life with anger issues, this is the component that has helped me to calm down and to move slower when I feel like I'm being provoked. Love is always going to be the common denominator in every aspect of our being. We have to stop fighting against it and start learning to live in love. Next, love never considers evilness or revenge. Ouch. If we do, where is the true love? So you hear what I'm saying? So if our thoughts are going towards revenge, if our thoughts are going towards some kind of, uh, of, of evil retribution, if our thoughts are going to, okay, I'm going to one-up this person, then where is the love? Love is humble. So love doesn't even get into the position of allowing herself to get angry. Love never rejoices or celebrates in sin and iniquity. We are to be just like our Father in heaven, that we should despise sin, whether that sin is from our neighbor or that sin is from ourselves, that we should want sin and iniquity to be eradicated. And even though you can sit up there and say that, hey, you know what, I'm going to try to do better. No, 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 no. The attitude should be in love, I will be better. Because love is, again, the ingredient that needs to take place, and especially this unconditional love that, again, goes beyond the boundaries of man and goes into the God realm, and that is the kind of love that helps us overcome any kind of sin or iniquity in our lives or in the lives of others. Listen to this. Love bears all things, or another way of putting it, love absorbs or handles all things. So in love, if, if, if haterade is coming in your direction, we love out of it. We love in spite of it. We use love as a weapon. You know, we talk about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, well, love is at the forefront of the weaponry that the Christian should have in place whenever adversity comes before us. Love believes all things 
in righteousness. Anything that is right, we believe it in love. And love believes all things. And then it goes, love hopes in all things that are righteous in our Father's eyes. Love hopes in all things. Love endures all things. And finally, and most importantly, love never fails. It is always successful. Let me say that again. Love never fails. If you have any situation, use love. It never fails. Never fails. Can I say that again, beloved? Never fails. But then Paul in the scriptures, he shifts the direction towards the things that love is to then we've got this other thing going on where he talks about in the latter part of those verses in in, in verse 8. He's like, but prophecies will fail. Tongues shall cease. And knowledge will disappear. So as we mature, our finite understanding of prophecies, tongues, and knowledge will be replaced with the perfection that can only come by way of Christ. Now, this is a good time where even in the text in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul makes this incredible shift. Everything else is dealing with basically what love is, what love isn't, how love is uh, enacted, how love is expressed, what love does do, what love does not do. And then all of a sudden, in verse 9 and in verse 10, he says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but then that which is perfect is come. Then that which is in part shall be done away. And I was like, in in my uh, reading of this chapter, and I'm talking about over over 20 years of reading. I I was always like, well, what in the world is going on there? What does all this have to do with love? So we want to address that. Um, as we continue on in our lesson. So in this, well, let me start here. There are three themes in verses 9 and 10. So the, the first one is we know parts of things, but can never know all of what God knows. So like right now, no matter where your journey is in Christ, we're only getting snippets of what the 
the ultimate truth is all about because, of course, in our finite existence, there's no way that we could contain all the things that God knows. And so we do. God, based upon our availability and our abilities, God gives us certain insight. He gives us certain understanding, but we are never as individuals in possession of everything because if we were, why would we need God? And so we know some things right now, and every day should be, you know, the scripture tells us that we should die daily. And that doesn't mean physical death, my beloved. That means that we need to die to the things that we think we know. We need to die to the burdens that we still carry unnecessarily. We need to die to what our little feeble understanding of things is and be available to learn more of him. You know, he says, learn of me, learn of me. That's a daily pursuit. No one ever has everything. And so that in itself is the beauty of this thing. So while you might have uh, people that practice other religions that can just tell you everything about their deities and their gods, well, we can never do that because, again, if we understand the nature of God, he will only give us the portion that we can handle in that moment. And each day we avail ourselves to learn more and more and more. But let me ask you this, beloved. If you use the word infinity, which means there's no beginning, no ending, how much do you think God knows compared to us. So even those that are on the highest pantheons of this Christian walk don't know but maybe a minuscule of the things that God knows. Be comfortable in that. That is actually your security in knowing that he is real and he exists and in due season he reveals what each one of us needs to know. Then the second thing says that we preach and foretell of things but can never grasp the fullness of God's plan. Wow. So no matter what we're doing, and I profess, you know, on this broadcast, I refer to myself as evangelist because God uh, specifically uh, put me aside to go into the highways and byways. And in my definition, that's everywhere from right in your immediate household to the uh, uttermost parts of the earth and everything in between. And all I was assigned to do was to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I know my place. I know my position. 
But that is only one part of the Christian experience, and and that's a, a small part of God's plan. God has so much that makes up his plan that none of us could fully grasp it. So we all have our gifts, we all have our talents, and we use those for the glorification of our Father in heaven and for the edification and manifestation of his glory to those that we minister to here in the earth. Knowing that even then, that's only partial. It's not everything. So then the third theme goes into when perfection comes and perfection is the coming of Christ Jesus. The perfection comes, then all these partial abilities will be eliminated. Because once Christ comes again, which is his promise, we have no more need of our finite understanding of things. We will be in the presence of his glory. We don't have to foretell. There's no longer any need to really preach because it has been taken care of and revelation has been fulfilled. And then perfection comes and all those things don't have to take place anymore because even our existence will not be a flesh and a bone, but it will be a spirit because we were created in his image after his likeness. And if we understand that, then all these things that we deal with here are so temporary. So why do we let things get us twisted and bound all the time when God is trying to let us know that no matter what your ability, at some point all of this as we know it will cease. Wow. The Christ mind will supersede our finite minds. In other words, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is a progressive statement. So day after day after day, we are seeking that mindset of Christ, which leads with the word that we are focusing on tonight, love. Are you guys with me? Beloved, I, I, am, I am very close to the finish line, but we are coming uh, at the point of what I feel is the most important part of this text. And this would be found in verses 11 and 12, because here, Paul, and, and I want to stop right here and, and, and talk about Paul for a moment, because we know, those of us who read our Bibles, we know that he, for many a time, persecuted the church. And he was doing it with the belief that he was serving God the Father until he came across Jesus on the Damascus Road. 
And we know the story that after that encounter, everything that he had obtained up to that point, his his uh, citizenship, whether it be of his Jewish heritage or his Roman citizenry, whether it be of his education, whether it be of his status as a Pharisee, it had no value to him once he understood who Jesus was. And because of that, I believe that he is the most qualified of anyone in the Bible to write the next two verses that I'm getting ready to read for your hearing. So Paul is going into a self-examination, and he wants to take us along for the ride. We have to be able to uh, slow the train down, to stop the presses, and to look at ourselves. So listen to what he says in verses 11 and 12. He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then faith to faith Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. This, my beloved, if you can understand this, then this is going to make you read this particular chapter in a whole different kind of way. So let's take basically the rest of this broadcast and let's talk about it. So it says, oh, oh, better yet, let's do this. Let's think about when we were biological children. Our speech was that of a child. Our thoughts were that of a child. Spiritually, some of us are like children, not mature, prone to selfishness, quick to anger when we don't get our way. Our thoughts are limited because either we have not had enough time to mature in our faith or we have settled, and sometimes we make this settlement unawares, for the bare minimum of our benefits in Christ. For an actual child, it is critical, critical to have a firm foundation in their parents. The parents set the standards for the household and the children should follow. And let me make a a brief uh, insert here. 
And when I'm talking about parents, let it be clear, man and woman, father and mother, and, I, and if you understand what I'm talking about, that is the foundation that God put in place. So continue on. The parents set the standards for the household, and the children should follow. When they don't, a parent has to punish the child as a form of correction. This is actually the ultimate love a parent can show a child. Instruction in doing right and correction to fix that which is wrong. I'm reminded of Psalm 23 where David proclaims, thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. The rod represents correction, such as a sheep that goes astray. The rod brings him or her back into the fold with the other sheep, or we could say in the household of faith, back to our family. The staff is the support of knowing you are always being watched out for. In my own experience, it was always a good thing to know my parents had my back. Even in correction, I know they supported me. Thus, I knew they loved and cared for me. Christ works the same way. He is our help in time of trouble. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Naturally, as we get older, we should mature, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. As a believer, we too should grow in our faith. Verse 11b shares it as becoming a man or becoming mature. When we grow up spiritually, we let go of childish attitudes and thoughts. We become fully rounded and grounded, which includes our perspective towards love. This verse is so critical to understand and embrace before we even touch verse 12. So, beloved, prayerfully, you've got that in and you're soaking that in like a sponge. So let's talk about verse 12. It says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part but then shall I know even as also I am known. The Apostle Paul uses the illustration of looking into a mirror or a glass as the basis for seeing where one is in their faith and love. This word glass or mirror 
can be defined as a riddle for its a ref- for excuse me for its reflection is obscured and contorted. We use the word darkly, which means we are hindered in the reflection we are getting from the glass because it is out of focus and not quite clear. From a spiritual perspective, we as Christians are forever maturing so as we grow in our faith and love, the image that we see or the image that is reflected back to us in our spiritual mirror becomes clearer until we get to the place of where spiritual matters come into full vision and fruition. Now, don't mistake, excuse me, don't mistake this forever being on the same level with God. Let me say that again. Do not mistake this for ever being on the same level with God. But we do see things more clearly, more transparently. For many years, I looked through this mirror with the immaturity of one who thought that they understood spiritual matters only to be humbled by my total lack of understanding in the things of God. On several broadcasts, I've been quite transparent in sharing how I started out with a false understanding of biblical principles and doctrine, and only to go into seclusion for about a five-year period where I separated myself from the things that I thought I knew and began a new and wonderful journey to clear the image I was seeing in my own mirror. And yes, my beloved, that even included, I had to leave for a season the local church because I had to be with God on my own I don't want that to be uh, seen as a rejection of the church. I need for you all to understand I had to go through my own mirror process of being able to really understand what the word of God was saying to me and not just the uh, jargon and the uh, uh, professions of men. And so, Going through this, I had to go through much prayer and literally had to purge out everything that I thought I understood about the Bible and about the nature of God. This process was both humiliating and exciting all at the same time. It was humiliating because this refocusing of my, excuse me, of my mirror was this glass revealed just how self-centered and egotistical I was. And it was not a pretty picture. Trust me on that. It also exposed how I really had to, had no grasp of what true agape love was all about. I tell you the truth. 
I had to learn how to properly love God, my creator, how to love others no matter what they gave me in return, and how to love myself and forgive myself for all the havoc I had done in my own life. I am not without fault here. I started to think it had to be the Apostle Paul who would ultimately be charged with writing the definitive chapter on love because of the attack he made against Christ and Christians. If we are not careful, we can become blinded by our own self-importance, and that is a mirror, my beloved, that is very dark indeed. As we draw nigh to him and he to us, his image becomes more visible. In fact, we shouldn't see ourselves in the mirror. We should see reflections of him in that mirror. His purpose is more internalized. His commands become more apparent. His sovereign will is received without questioning. His teachings reveal more revelation. His death, burial, and resurrection and ascension point to his glorious divinity. His love touches and heals all generations. As we know more of Christ, we also know more about ourselves in him. And once we get to that point, we can cast it off in verse 13. And now, abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Earlier, we reflected on things that would pass away, prophecy, tongue, and knowledge. What stays consistent and expands beyond the imperfections of these things is faith, hope, and love. We know in Scripture that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There is a faith from a natural perspective, and then there is faith of a supernaturalism of God, our Father. This supernatural faith does not depend upon our natural understanding. It's not dependent upon our finite wisdom. This faith is built on obedience and the confidence of knowing God's track record. In other words, his ways are perfect. Hope is the expected, excuse me, the expectation or expectancy of something happening. If our hopes are carnal, which means if our hopes are just natural or materialistic, then our expectations are limited by what we can perceive in our own mind. The hope we have in Christ supersedes the natural, allowing the infinity of God by way of the Holy Spirit to give us glorious expectation that goes beyond the current dimension. This hope points to our glorified state in eternity, to the spiritual treasures 
we get to partake in because our Father in heaven is rich in these treasures and willing to share them according to our ability. Think the lessons learned in the parable of the talents. Think about those lessons. Now, while these things are great, the greatest of these is love. Love is the trigger that activates all things. It is in love in which God created us. It is with love that God did not totally destroy the earth due to our disobedience. It is love in which God executed his redemptive plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. It is with this love Christ left us with the comforter in the Holy Spirit, and it is with this love that Christ is coming back for us. So let's talk about love because it's all about love. Wow. I am right up against the clock. It has been a wonderful lesson. I pray that God has revealed through this teaching some things related to love, related to self uh, reflection, related to getting out of the muck and mire of naturalism and materialism and understanding that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by him and that creation was done in love. For those that are listening and maybe are hearing a message of Christ for the first time, we plead the blood of Jesus over your life that you would be saved, that you would be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would lead your new life in Christ through repentance, and through love. My beloved, I thank you for this uh, opportunity to share and to just be with you. Thank you again, Pastor Pat Randall, for stepping in when we had some things going on as far as storms that were knocking out the Internet. But God will not be stopped in his message to his people. God bless you and God keep you in his perfect peace and in love. Good night.